Hello, everybody. Welcome back once again to another Lights Camera Sports Podcast presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. So happy to have you back on board for what is a very, very exciting week as Clemson travels north as a number two team in the nation to square off against Boston College. Uh, Clemson undefeated, BC 7-2, college game day in town, ABC, Saturday night primetime, all the stars are lining for what should be a very epic uh, Saturday afternoon, uh, excuse me, Saturday night at Boston College. So with all of that, I thought it'd be great to catch up with Tim Bure, uh, who we spoke to a couple weeks ago. I saved it for this week, but a very exciting guy, longtime SID at Clemson. In fact, he was at Clemson for 40 years. Uh, so he's a Northeast guy, grew up in West Hartford, Connecticut, his time at Clemson for 40 years, recently retired, and now does some work with NBC Sports on the golf telecast. So I thought it'd be nice to catch up with him, tie it all in with BC and Clemson. I hope you check out the podcast. It was a lot of fun. Also, like to remind everybody, if you're a BC football fan, you need to be a part of the BC Football Gridiron Club. Just go to bcfootballgridiron.com to sign up and get more details. Okay, first we'll hear from Chesta Hill Technologies and then go right into the podcast with Tim Beret. As always, thanks so much for listening. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Lights, Camera, Sports podcast presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. Well, uh, we're very lucky enough to have Tim Bure join us, SID, former SID, now, excuse me, after spending 40 years at Clemson University, our friends to the south, uh, good friend, nice to join us here. Also grew up in West Hartford, Connecticut, same town as me. Uh, so I it, it thought it'd be really nice to recap his career and learn about our friends in the ACC Atlantic. So, Tim, with that, thank you so much for joining us here and your time on the Lights, Camera, Sports podcast. Well, it's, uh, it's great to be with you. I guess we have a lot in common. Uh, I, uh, you went to Northwest Catholic, played on the baseball team there, and went there from 1969 to, uh, to 73. Had a great experience growing up in, uh, in West Hartford, and uh, then went to school at Notre Dame, and uh, went to Clemson in 1978, and just finished my 40th year. And that's a really good recap as well. Let's backtrack to when you were growing up in West Hartford. Was baseball always your biggest sport? Or did you have other passions? Uh, what did you kind of do growing up in uh, in West Hartford? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting you bring that up because today it seems like uh, the, the kids are so specialized. You know, uh, down here in the South, they're, they have travel ball and they're playing baseball year year round. But I was... Yeah, I kind of grew up in a time, uh, you know, when you played football, basketball, and, and baseball. Baseball was my best sport. Um, so I went at Northwest Catholic. I uh, was all-conference outfielder in 1973 and then made the um, American Legion team that uh, went to the American Legion World Series in Lewiston, Idaho. That was a great experience. Uh, Dale Murphy actually was one of the players uh 
for Bend, Oregon in that uh, in that uh, uh, tournament. But uh, played with a lot of great players. Played on the Legion team in '73 and and uh, and '74 before I uh, you know went back to uh, back to Notre Dame and uh, and so. Uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Bob O'Brien was the uh, was the coach. He was a legendary coach uh, in West Hartford with the Legion uh, teams then, and we uh, we had some great players on that team. You still always is was the field set up the same way it is today? Uh, Wampanoag to the right and the outfield bleachers, then the center field and Northwest. And Northwest, yes, Northwest was set up the same uh, same way. Yeah, I I usually try to drive over to Northwest when um, when I come back in town. Actually, if you go to Northwest uh, today, the uh, the uh, entrance is uh, named after my mother, Irene uh, Irene Beret. Um, but we were, uh, you know, very, very uh, strong about the education, the future Northwest, and uh, and uh, my father fought a lot of the schools where my mother died uh, in a contribution, and uh, and so that is uh, that entrance is dedicated to my mom. Wow, that's really nice. That's a nice entrance. You know, I know it's relatively new as well. Uh, Tim, what what's a favorite memory of Northwest? You know, outside of sports. I uh, just, you know, I was I was really driven to uh, to go to Notre Dame. My father had gone to Notre Dame, and uh, we took a trip out to uh, South Bend when I was just ten years old. And so, uh, um, you know, that's what I wanted to do. And, and Northwest did a great job of uh, preparing me education wise, and uh, just an all around education experience to get me ready for college. And so, you know, that's. One of the things I looked fondly on, it uh, had a lot to do with my career, was uh, the education I got at Northwest Catholic. Did you have a favorite teacher in high school? You know, um, probably Mr. Reardon. Mr. Reardon, I think, was a uh, as a uh, English uh, English teacher. He was he was pretty uh, pretty entertaining. So I'd have to go with him. There you go. There you go. Well, you referenced to your big Notre Dame fan. Was that always the school, number one school for you growing up? And was that always like your number one option? Go out South Bend for college. If I was a good high school football player, I would have re- committed to Notre Dame when I was ten years old. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I grew up listening to uh, listening to Notre Dame games on the radio. But I. Um, Finished second in West Hart, one year second, one year third in uh, the punt, pass, and kick contest in uh, in West Hartford. But I did not play high school football at Northwest because I did not want to miss listening to the Notre Dame games on Saturdays because Northwest always played on Saturday afternoons. <laughs> that's what I did. So that's how much of a Notre Dame fan I was um, growing up. And then, so you got into Notre Dame. You went there. Just talk about your college experience. Did you? Were you always? I know. I read that you weren't. You didn't even know about sports information really until a couple of years into uh, your time at South Bend. You're right. Yeah, my my freshman and sophomore years, I was just a regular student who never missed a game, but just sat in the stands and watched the games. And then uh, the summer before my junior year, my father uh, had had a chance meeting with. Um, Roger Valdeseri, a fellow named Jim McGoldrick, who also lived in West Hartford. Uh, he had gone to Notre Dame and was a manager when Roger Valdeseri was working there. So they uh, had uh, breakfast together one uh, one day, and so my father just started asking 
Mr. Alvisari what he did, and uh, he came home and said, you, you need to go work for this guy. You would really enjoy it. So I wrote Roger Valvisari a letter, and um, and so he, uh, I, I told him I would work for free as a volunteer, and that's that's how I started in the, in the fall of 1975, clipping, uh, clipping newspapers and putting together files on the players. That's a pretty good era. Was that, correct me if I'm wrong, was that Montana's era at Notre Dame? Yeah, I was there for a great era of football and basketball. Um, I was uh, I was at the game, uh, the basketball game on January 19th, 1974 that ended UCLA's 88-game winning streak, and we got to the, at least the Sweet 16 every year in basketball. And then for football, I was there for two uh, national championships, 1973, uh, when Notre Dame beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, 24-23. to And then my fifth year, my graduate school year, uh, would be Texas thirty-eight to ten in the Cotton Bowl to win the national championship. So I was there for two, two national championships. I, I started working, as I said, in seventy-five. So my last three years, I worked uh, in sports information. And then Tim, I'm interested now as you progressed. You got your master's in Notre Dame. You were there for five years. How did you transition? I know you had opportunity at Kansas State, Pittsburgh. How did you pick Clemson to kind of start your career for after leaving South Bend? <laughs> They picked me. Uh, I, you know, I applied for a lot of jobs, and uh, and um, so I interviewed at Kansas State and Clemson on the same week. And at that point, I, you know, I would have taken. You know, I was just wanted to get in sports information and get started. So whoever had got giving me a job first, I would have taken. So uh, uh, Kansas State called me first, and they were offering ninety five hundred dollars. Uh, but I didn't get the job. They um, they hired uh, uh, Craig, I want to say Peterson, anyway, uh, who went on to be actually be an athletic director and was uh, head of the NCAA basketball tournament committee about ten years ago. And then um, and then Clemson called me back three uh, three days later and asked and offered me three thousand more dollars. And I said thank. Thank God, God was looking out for me. So, um, so I came to Clemson and um, started September first, nineteen seventy-eight. And Clemson was in the middle of a great era of uh, you know getting back. Actually, nineteen seventy-eight. Ironically, uh, Clemson finished eleven and one, and in the final UPI poll, Clemson and Notre Dame were tied for sixth, sixth place. So the t- schools, two schools I worked for. That's pretty good. Top 10. So I'm interested. You're a kid from Connecticut, school, college, Notre Dame. What did you know about Clemson for, before you arrived there, and if anything? Well, you know, the ironic part of it is that, uh, you know, Clemson's really known for football, but at that time, uh, I was really a big, uh, uh, you know, a big, ba- I mean, I followed all the sports, but I was really always been a big basketball fan, a big college basketball a fan, so I, I so I heard of Tree Rollins. I knew all about Tree Rollins, and, and had seen Clemson play some games on uh, on TV. So I really knew more about ACC basketball than I knew about uh, football. However, um, in the fall of 1977, I got a free uh, trip. Uh, to show you how I've kind of been uh, blessed throughout my career. In 1977, for the first time ever, Notre Dame played at Clemson. 
in football. Okay. So uh, I usually I was not scheduled to travel, wasn't going to go. And then the Monday before the game, uh, Bob Best, who was the assistant sports information director in the Notre Dame office, said he was too far behind on the basketball guide and that I was going to make the trip in his place. So I ended up getting a free uh, a free trip with the with the Notre Dame football team down to Clemson for a game that was in November of uh, 1977, and um, and it was a great atmosphere, and uh, and so um, that was my I, I really saw that you know people really cared about football at Clemson. And then let's take us you know take us back to that time now as we progress the early and mid 80s. What were your favorite time moments of that time period? And, Say the '80s as a whole, and uh, uh, as you were adjusting your first, you know, decade at Clemson. Uh, yeah, well, of course, um, in 1981, Clemson won the uh, national championship in uh, in football. So I had been at Notre Dame in, from '73 and '77, and now '81. So I just figured I was <laughs> in the national championship program every uh, every four years. Didn't work out that way. Clemson didn't win it uh, again until recently in 2016. But uh, but that was a uh, you know great time because uh, Clemson had never done anything like that before. So to be a part of that uh, and, and I could you know kind of helped out a little bit because I I you know been through uh, it especially in 1977 working in the Notre Dame Sports Information Office. So I could give them a few. Uh, you heads up on some things that were going to uh, that were going to take place, but um, but yeah, that was that was big. In 1980, the Clemson basketball team got to the final eight of the NCAA tournament, so that was um, that was very exciting. And then just in general, Clemson football in the 1980s, where the Clemson was the fifth winningest program in college football for that uh, decade. So we uh, had a lot of uh, a lot of great games, a lot of legendary games. Yeah, no question about it. When you look back on Clemson, it's just they've been consistently strong uh, throughout the 80s and you, the 90s as well. Um, just talk about those moments, too. Uh, obviously, Tommy Bowden came in. Uh, basketball was going along pretty good. Uh, just talk about your second decade with Clemson in the 90s. Yeah, in the, in the, in the, in the 90s, um, we uh, basketball were two, two highlight years there. Uh, uh, one game... That people Connecticut can really relate to, and uh, of course the NCAA <laughs> tournament in, in 1990. Yep. Uh, Clemson played UConn for the uh, for the right to go to the Elite Eight over at the um, Meadowlands. Actually, the two preceding games of that uh, tournament, uh, Clemson played BYU and uh, LaSalle at the Hartford Civic Center. So uh, I got a free trip home. I just uh, stayed at uh, Woodmere Road with my parents, and uh, they would just drive me down to the uh, Hartford Civic Center for the games. And so uh, it's great that we won. Uh, Clemson won both of those games. The, the second one against the Sauer, we 19 points down, and came back to win. And so that moved us on to the Meadowlands to play uh, the the UConn Huskies, who were uh, kind of a surprise team of college basketball at that uh, at that time and of course um, you know, it was an unbelievable game Clemson was down 19 points in the second half and came back took a 70 to uh, 69 uh, lead and then on UConn's next possession actually we got a stop, a guy named Sean Tyson got the rebound and was fouled with one second left and uh, so he went to the foul line with a one on one but he 
missed the front end. UConn got the rebound, called timeout, set up a play for uh, Scotty Burrell, Tate George. Yeah, Scotty Burrell on the inbounds pass to uh, to Tate George, George yep. and uh, I always remember the uh, our coach at the time, Cliff Ellis. The last thing he said to the team before they went on the courts: "Whatever you do, don't foul." Well, we sure didn't foul. We didn't come close to guarding him either. And so, uh, you watch the video of that, and hey, George got just, uh, I mean, wasn't uncontested, but our guys were just standing in front of him and certainly didn't want to foul. And he knocked that shot down, and UConn won 71 to 70, and, uh, which is uh, a bit of irony for my career because when I was a freshman at, at Notre Dame, Notre Dame ended UCLA's 88 game winning streak with a 71-70 victory, and then without a doubt, the most heartbreaking defeat by 40 years of Clemson was that uh, what lost to Connecticut by the same score. Well, I got to ask your take. What do you think? Tate George got it off in time. There's still some controversy over that with the buzzer. Yeah, I, I, you know they didn't replay. Was it what it is now? I don't think we had tenths of a second that time on the clock. So, you know, was it 1.9 seconds? Is one of those deals you didn't know. Um, you know, back then, um, I don't know. I was just so disappointed with it. It was and that, that we just didn't defend it or at all. That, uh, I mean, you, you, you see situations like that today and it almost never happens because people will go up and try to contest the, contest the pass. And that's certainly what, uh, what Clemson should have done. I mean, we had Eldon Campbell who went on to play 15 years in the NBA. He was at trying to guard the inbounder and then Dale Davis was at the other end he played 15 years in the NBA and uh, you know we still didn't stop it Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum CHT provides world class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid cap firms throughout New England and nationally including State Street Bank Amaj Pharma and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. And then, you know, Tim, looking back, transitioning now throughout the 90s and the 2000s, um, you were also very, very busy. You did the color for college basketball as well. And just talking about that experience, you know, doing that and also doing play-by-play for one game in 2003 for football. Yeah, um, I, I did have quite a bit of radio experience. I actually did over, um, uh, and I'm going to continue to do back Clemson basketball on the radio. I've done over 1,000, 1,075 games, I believe it is. My 1,000th game was a few years ago, uh, ironically, against uh, against Notre Dame. And so, but that's that's been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that, started doing it in, in, uh, in 1980 and certainly seen a lot of, able to broadcast a lot of great, uh, Clemson games, and then um, I did do one football game play-by-play, and I was unfortunate circumstances. 2003, our play-by-play announcer um, uh, died of a heart attack um, the Monday after we uh, played uh, Furman, and so it was right in the middle of the season. So the, I, I'd done color with Jim Phillips on, on football before, and I'd done basketball with him for 20 years, so uh, they asked me to do the game, and uh, and so um, it was a hectic, uh, hectic week. But 
did a pretty good job with it and I'm glad I, I, I did it. I, I still have an audio tape of the game because it's the only football game I ever did play by play on, but I've done a lot of uh, uh, color commentary. Yes, well, well, it's unfortunate circumstance, you're right. Uh, but you've been, as you said, you've been everywhere. Is what, You've probably been asked this a million times, Clemson, but is there a moment that sticks out for you? Obviously, national championships. Is there mo- any other moment, too, though, that really highlights your time at Clemson? Yeah, actually, um, uh, uh, we have a magazine at Clemson called The Orange Experience, and for the, uh, for the June issue, they uh, asked me to, I picked my top 40 memories of the 40 years. And I mean, I hated to be boring or, or, or predictable, but uh, <laughs> it was impossible to top uh, the Clemson's football national championship in 2016 because it was achieved in such a dramatic fashion with uh, a fellow named Hunter Renfro got a touchdown pass from Deshaun Watson uh, with just one second left to uh, to beat Alabama. And uh, it was just uh, amazing back and forth. Uh, game. It was a 35-31 game, and uh, Clemson had a drive the last two minutes of the game to to win in the, the most dramatic <clears throat> fashion. And the, you know, the kid who caught the winning touchdown pass was an original walk-on going up against five-star defensive backs for for Alabama. So that was uh, that was pretty exciting. That was that was terrific. And Tim, is there a player in your forty years that sticks out to you, or a person, a student athlete that you've worked with that really left an impression with you? Yeah, I mean there were a lot, obviously, and um, we had a fellow named C.J. Spiller who was a great football player in two thousand nine, and really he's a he's a guy that uh, really brought the program to a, another level. He was sixth in the voting for the Heisman Trophy in two thousand nine, probably the most exciting player that I can remember. He had to get nine touchdowns in his career of 80 yards or, or more. But it was just great to work with from a sports information standpoint. Always a stand-up guy with the uh, with the media. Uh, and uh, he, he, he certainly is a guy that um, that stood out for me. And now and, uh, we've got a fellow on the team now from uh, played at Southfield Academy. Christian Wilkins is a terrific player. He's got a chance to be a three-time all-American, and, uh, and he, he did a great great job, big reason for Clemson's 40 and 4 the last three years. Yeah, he, he was a guy who was came down. BC was in the mix for him. Uh, but, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, but you can't, hey, you can't blame him. He's won national championships with Clemson. It's, it's he, I, you know, we, he has had a, so much, as you referenced, so much success. But that one hurt. Suffield Academy, Springfield Mass, and, uh, you know, we you don't we don't have as many football players down there uh, up here as do they do down there. Yeah. So uh, we you, yeah, you want to keep yeah. them if you, if you can. Well aware of that, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, no question, his career has been so much successful. Well, BC's, yeah, BC's. You know, I think they had a really good year last year. They have got a great running back, and um, I think things are looking up for BC. I think that's going to be a big uh, a big game for Clemson, uh, and we go up and uh, Clemson goes up in November, which is. Uh, actually, the first time I think we played at BC in November since Dabo Sweeney's first game as the or first win as Clemson coach on November the first, two thousand and eight. 
Yeah. Well, I think that's going to be an exciting game. And that's a great segue to my next question. Talk about BC, Clemson, you know, play for the O'Rourke McFadden trophy every year. That's right. One of my favorite moments as a BC football fan was 2006, that double overtime game uh, with BC Clemson. Just a classic college football game. Uh, BC prevailed the field goal at the end. But it seems like, the, especially in the mid-2000s, they had a lot of close matchups. Matt Ryan, 16-13 overtime victory. Uh, and then Clemson came strong a couple years after that. But these teams actually have gone back and forth pretty well. Yeah, I know uh, BC actually won the first three games. Yes. Of yep. the, uh, of when they became uh, members of the ACC. And, and Coach Sweeney uh, finally broke the streak, which was his first career win, as I said, in, uh, in 2008. But, uh, yeah, there have been some great competitive games, the back-to-back overtime games. That 2006 game was a, a great game. Talking about C.J. Spiller earlier, that was his first career touchdown was on an 82-yard swing pass uh, reception. Um, and that game went uh, went back and forth, and uh, uh, B.C. ended up winning. Actually, I believe the game was decided because uh, the, the Clemson kicker missed, missed an extra point in, uh, in overtime. And that ended up being the uh, the difference in the game. But there, yeah, there have been some very good uh, games. I think there's a great uh, uh, mutual respect between the two programs, and I think um, part of the reason was you know the, the, the series does go back to 1939 when the two teams played in the uh, in the Cotton Bowl. Frank Leahy, speaking of Notre Dame, was was the coach of BC um, that then, and uh, he, he had a Played two years at BC, but one of his, I think, just two losses was was to Clemson in that Cotton Bowl. And you know, when you these two teams played, you know, as you said, you go back and forth. Uh, what 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 do you think Clemson's the how how has Dabo elevated uh, Clemson? Because I think you would agree since oh six oh seven oh eight when he came on board, Clemson just took it up a notch. What do you think's been behind the scenes his keys to success? Yeah, well, he's done. He's a great job as a as a recruiter. He uh, he just has a certain uh, way about him. You know, when he was hired as the interim coach in that 2008 season, of the 85 guys on scholarship, he had personally recruited uh, 38 of the of the 85. So uh, you know that was one of the reasons why he um, he uh, he got the he got the uh, job on a full time basis because. Uh, you know, the, the, the players thought so much of him, but he's uh, he's just got an infectious personality. He uh, does a great job in, in all aspects of the program. And my dealings with him from a media relations standpoint, he's uh, he's uh, just has a sixth sense about things and, and really does about every aspect of the program. I think he learned a lot of that, um, uh, you know, at Alabama. He was, uh, you know, a player at Alabama and then, uh, coached under Gene Stallings, so I think you learned an awful lot uh, from him. Tim, just last couple of minutes, wrap it up. I just want to talk outside the field, the support for Clemson sports. I'm always amazed, especially every time they come to Boston, the amount of orange in the stands. And just, just talk about the support, the fans, and you know how are you guys all so nice? You people, too, down there. Everyone's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> we come well, up know, to the Northeast, you might be in for a little bit of a shock. Between Clemson and Boston, I mean, our fans love going to Boston. I mean, that's, that's their favorite road trip. I mean, I know some fans that 
only road trip they make every every two years to games that are outside the state. I mean, they go to the South Carolina game, but uh, they they always circle that uh, that trip to Boston. Uh, I got a lot of guys that love going to Mike's Pastry Shop. <laughs> there you go uh, in Boston, the North but, End. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it, it, it's been a strong fan following for uh, for years, and the tradition has a lot to do with it. Um, and so it's just always been a great. And when you think about it, I mean, the town of Clemson has only about fourteen thousand people in it on a football weekend. We get you know eighty one five fills the place up, and there's probably another ten thousand just hanging around the uh, town. And, and, and you know, there, there's a big there is a big difference, obviously, because there's no pro sports you know, right around us. Obviously, Atlanta and Charlotte are just two hours away, but, uh, you know, I think a lot of that uh, fan following has to, has to do with with that. And, uh, and so there's just been a great uh, tradition. But uh, a lot of people love going to Boston, I can, I can tell you that. There'll be, there'll be a good contingent uh, this year on, uh, I believe it's November the 10th. Hopefully the weather's good, too. They never know. They've been yeah, lucky. I hope so. Well, Tim, I'd like to also ask you now that you're retired. I know you're going to stay busy. Just tell us what activities you're with doing in your retirement. I know you're involved with NBC Sports and golf coverage. Just give us a quick glimpse into that, your life now going forward. I got a great part-time job. I'm a kind of a research person, statistician, score, whatever you want to call it, for for NBC Sports. As I talked to you, I've just gotten back from – Scotland uh, a couple of a couple of days ago got to, had the opportunity to to go over there and I uh, sit in the tower with, uh, with Peter Jacobson and uh, keep information for uh, for him and uh, and it's uh, an awful lot of fun and I'm also going to continue to do Clemson basketball on the radio and uh, and do some writing for the website and some uh, some publications so I'll have enough to uh, keep me busy and. Um, and uh, looking forward to some trips and um, and coming up to Boston. I can't remember if we played. Uh, I think I don't think Boston. Co- I think Boston College comes to Clemson in basketball this year. I don't think we go go up there, but uh, so we'll be there for football. Well, there you go. And my per last question here: Now that you're retired, what happens when BC plays Notre Dame? Who do you, deep down who do you who are you rooting for here? When BC plays Notre no, Dame, excuse me. Clemson plays Notre Dame. Clemson, oh, plays, Clemson Notre Dame. plays Notre Dame. Yeah. Who are you rooting for? Um, as long as as long as Dabo Sweeney is the head coach at Clemson, there's no way I can I can root against him. And I I really don't know Brian Kelly. I don't know any of the players at uh, at at Notre Dame. But so uh, so we'll be uh, rooting for uh, for Clemson in those uh, in those games. So. Uh, but it's just they're fun to go to the next time the two schools play is 2020. Uh, Clemson actually will go to Canoda Dam for that game, so uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Well, hey Tim, can't thank you enough for the time. West Hartford guy went to Notre Dame, came went south. Clemson's been there 40 years. Really appreciate it and uh, kind of incorporating the BC, the ACC Atlantic Division foe with Clemson. Really, it was a fun podcast. And uh, thanks again for the time. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, 
Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com.